I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, and welcome to Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm Sean Anderson. Coming up on this week's show, an interview with Omar Urena Jimenez and a snippet from last week's interview with Sarah Galvin and Mel Tillman from Almost Home. Welcome into Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm Sean Anderson. Today, I'm speaking with Omar Urena Jimenez, a football journalist at Periodista Football Americano, editor of GraficoSports.com, and the founder of Chicago Tachito Academy at Windy City Fieldhouse. Hi, Omar. How are you? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you for having me. No problem, and I'm really excited. This is the first uh, sports-based episode we've done, and I'm really excited to talk to you about your academy. Um, why don't you tell people who are uninformed about your academy and what you're trying to do with your Touch of Football Academy? Yes, uh, we're launching this uh, uh, football academy, uh, basically as a, as a football camp. So we will be launching this camp uh, at the Windy City Fieldhouse, at the 2367 uh, West Logan Boulevard. And basically, we're going to be doing practices there for girls and boys age uh, 11 to, uh, to 13. And so the camp consists of 10 practices and then four um, black football games that are going to take place at CIBC Fire Pitch, uh, which is located at 3626 North Salman Avenue. Uh, so basically, this is a project inspired by the Hispanic community in which everyone is welcome. Uh, our academy is a sports program based on the importance of creativity and discipline as part of our recreational activities, teaching girls and boys the meaning of, of teamwork. So we are really looking forward to empower uh, girls and boys uh, to become better persons, better student athletes, and and try to develop the, their skills. So basically, that's uh, uh, that's what we're going to be doing at uh, Chicago Tochito Academy. And not only are you a journalist at uh, Periodista Football Americano and the editor of Grafico Sports, but you're also a former football player yourself. You have four years of experience in college at the University of Mexico, and then also a couple years in semi-pro uh, playing for Horda Dorada. Um, w- what drew you to football um, in, in your life? What was the really uh, the important driving uh, to that sport for you? Well, it's, it's great, you know, like uh, you're uh, putting out this question because actually uh, the representative team of the academy is going to be uh, the soldados. So the soldados actually are going to be are inspired in the team where my dad used to play. My dad, he played college football in Mexico for the National Polytechnic Cheyennes. So basically, uh, that's how I started my football uh, life, being uh, 
at the locker room of the Cheyennes uh, in, in the early 1970s. So I grew up, you know, like watching and contemplating all the beautiful things of this amazing sport. Uh, so I was inspired, you know, being at the locker room, seeing all these, you know, like big guys. And then we will be going to the, uh, on the field, you know, with the team. So it was amazing to see like these crowded stadiums uh, at the field level, you know, with my dad coaching this team. Uh, so that's how I started to fell in love with uh, football. And then when I was, Nine years old, that's like the first time that I played youth football, uh, tackled youth football um, uh, at, in Mexico City at the University of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a question about the, uh, the the youth football part of this, because you mentioned you started playing tackle at nine years old, but this is a, a flag football camp. Is there a reason why you think that uh, youth should be playing flag football, or is it just an easier way to teach kids? Well, uh, the camp actually consists in actually teaching um, the fundamentals of football, you know, regardless if it's tackle football or, or flag football. We want to uh, teach our students the basics and the fundamentals of football, the mechanics uh, that they're going to lead them, you know, like to be better players if they decide to keep playing flag football or they decide to play uh, tackle football. Um, so... And I think for the academy, one like a big inspiration is to empower girls. Um, I'm not aware of that many programs in which uh, there are that many opportunities for girls, you know, like to be playing on their own uh, as as a, as a girls team. Uh, so one of the reasons, you know, we want to do that is like we we want to encourage uh, girls boys equally. Uh, on the field, so that's why I think it 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 um, we decided to start uh, as a flag football project. That's the voice of Omar Urania Jimenez, the football journalist and peri- at Periodista Football Americano, the editor of Graphical Sports. And today we're talking to him about the Chicago Tachito Academy, the flag football academy that he started. And you, you talk about the idea of bringing girls into football. Why was it important to you to include girls into the camp? Well, specifically talking about girls, as a journalist, I got the chance, you know, to cover back in 2013 uh, the Chicago Force. Uh, to me, I was kind of like disappointed of not seeing that many fans when these uh, amazing football players, these women, they were like doing, uh, you know, they were, they were given everything on the field. So I think there's the women in general, they like that. Uh, Women athletes, they they need more support. So, and for me, it's important that they, that support comes um, an early early age. So that's why it's so important. Um, and we we are we are seeing changes in football. You know, we saw uh, last season the first uh, uh, female player playing in one of like the powerful uh, five conferences. So that was a, a, a huge for women so um, now that you know like the the goal is there I think like we, for us it's very important to empower girls that they can play that they can also compete you know like for scholarships uh, uh, to go to college and in this case we are looking forward in the future to um, conduct some of our students to get the scholarships in Mexico. 
And I wanted to ask you part about the scholarship part of your camp because uh, it, it was described that you're offering two scholarships, uh, both to two boys from the camp and then two girls from the camp. Uh, what what is the scholarship involved in? And I know there's uh, specific uh, requirements that some of these children need to meet to uh, to qualify for the scholarship. Yes, uh, I think this is like one uh, big part of the academy uh, doing our social work. In this case, we're going to be giving away four scholarships. Uh, you were right for two uh, to two girls and two boys. Uh, they have to be 11 uh, uh, to 13. That's the, the, the age requirement. Um, we are looking for uh, kids who, uh, whose parents lost their job in the pandemic and they are not getting any any government support. So, uh, yes, we're looking for um, kids whose parents are immigrants and they are not getting any help. So those are like the requirements. Um, just because we're going to be working at the Windy City Fieldhouse, so we are... Um, one of one of the reasons is that's why we are going to be trying to recruit these kids from uh, from Humble Park and the Logan Square area. But I think definitely that could change in the future. You know, if the, if the scholarship program uh, keeps growing. And what is it about that that community, uh, Logan Square? I know you're you're currently residing there, and that's where the the camp is going to be play, uh, taking place. What is it about that community that uh, drew you to Logan Square and and wanted you to start this academy here? Well, I mean, plenty of my fellow neighbors here, they are Puerto Rican. So um, to me, it would be very important that uh, kids, even that in Puerto Rico, they don't play football. I think for, for them, it would be a great experience if they get familiar with the game of, of, of football. Uh, we all know, you know, like the, some of the neighborhoods around here, the nature was pretty violent, you know, like years ago. So we know that some of these kids and uh, their families, they were living in tough situations, uh, which is which it goes goes by uh, hand by hand by um, the the problems that they were living here in the in in, in some of the neighborhoods. So pretty much that's the idea, and that that's the idea of the of the of the program is to empower kids that. You know they are living tough situations. Like their families are living tough, tough situations. So uh, we want to canalize the energy of these kids and uh, and, and and offer them to play and develop their skills for for free at no cost. We are talking to Omar Urena Jimenez, the founder of Chicago Tachito Academy uh, in Logan Square, a boys and girls flag football camp from the ages of 11, 13. And uh, uh, Omar, part of the the thing that I'm picking up from you is uh, community is a big thing in your life, it's, it, it feels. Uh, football is a very communal uh, sport. Um, it, it seems a big part of you is is the Logan Square and, and trying to help out your community. Uh, where does that come come from? Uh, why, why do you want to help the community? Well, it's 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 interesting because it's it's part of our uh, football culture in Mexico. So for me, the best moment that I had when I was playing youth football it was after the games. You know, each each member of the team, uh, each family of the team, we we needed to bring a dish uh, like 
tacos or cochinita pibil or like salad or uh, pastel de tres leches. Uh, and then at the end of the game, all the families will get together and share, you know, like that fantastic food and have all together like coaches and parents and players. And it was just an amazing and important uh, experience. So then later on, um, when I was coaching at the Club Gamos in Mexico City, uh, that I, I experienced the, the, the same, but in another level in which like the camaraderie was so such a part of the of the club so i really want to bring that um that atmosphere of you know of of community of families being proud of like their daughters and sons playing uh playing football and everybody sharing like uh their success on and off the field and i have a question about uh Mexico's relationship with football. I mean, as as an outsider, how would you describe uh, Mexico's love for football to me? Because I know that the NFL has been bringing more games down to to Mexico City. Um, but how how do you think that uh, Americans should see uh, football to uh, Mexicans? Well, we have like a bag. Uh, we have like a long history of football in Mexico, which dates to 1927. That's when. Uh, college football uh, had its first tournament. Uh, the, the, I, I, I played for the University of Mexico and the University of Mexico. Uh, Pumas, uh, they, they, they were born in 1927, uh, which, by the way, they used the golden and blue uh, from Notre Dame. So there's like a, a, a traditional connection, you know, with college football. Um, so basically, um, and, and after the Pumas in 1936, the other big powerhouse was born, the uh, Politec- Politecnico Burros Blancos. Um, and that's, that game between the University of Mexico and the Politecnic has been named the Classic, and the Classic has been played uh, since 1936, uh, you know, with different changes, of course. But that's uh, like a huge fan base in Mexico for, for, for football. So golden years of college football in Mexico happened in the 19, 1950s, basically. Uh, and there were, it was, it was for the, the, the culture. I mean, there were films and there were like music created after football. Like there's the, the most famous, uh, Mambo musician, uh, Perez Prado, he composed the Mambo, the University of Mexico Mambo and the Polytechnic Mambos. So that, that, that's a huge, um, that's a huge part of uh, fan base in, in Mexico once translated later on when the NFL arrived to Mexico, which was in the, the late 1960s, broadcasting games uh, of the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. So um, so basically, football has been always part of our our culture, and there are like huge uh, fan base in in in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Did you do you have a favorite do you have a favorite NFL team? Did you have a favorite one growing up in in Mexico? Uh yes, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you a Bears fan, or what's your favorite team? <laughs> Uh, you can interpret my silence. <laughs> so you're a Packer fan, I'm assuming. 
No, actually, this is the story. So when I was when I play, I mean, when I play football for my for my very first time when I was nine years old, um, we were part of like this small tournament. So we were divided in four teams. My team were named the Jaguars, but the colors of the Jaguars we were purple and white. So. I'm gonna let it just right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say I think I think it's better to be a Viking fan than than a Packer fan. So I'll, I'll accept <laughs> I'll accept the Vikings there. Definitely, yes. Uh, but you know, you know, as a reporter, you know, I I I, I, I covered the birds, and of course, being here in Chicago, I mean, uh, it's 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 one of the things you know what I what I love of, of Chicago, the passion, the the history, you know, with the Chicago Cardinals, the Chicago Bears, uh, New Rock, you know, like uh, uh, the uh, Notre Dame coach, you know, he lived in this neighborhood in Logan Square. So I love all this history of, of, of football uh, being here in Chicago, for sure. And I know you mentioned that your your university had the same colors as Notre Dame, and I know part of uh, Grafico Sports' cover, coverage is of Notre Dame. Um, what is it like now to be connected with those two schools in a professional way? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, being connected with with Notre Dame and I, I, yeah, don't the uh, colors of your your school? Didn't you mention the colors of your school are golden blue, like uh, Notre oh. Dame? Yes, yes, no, definitely. That's I, every time that I go and, and of course, you know, now with the pandemic, the last practice that we attended was last year was like the first spring practice. But every time I go to that beautiful campus, it it reminds me a lot of the University of Mexico and, and, and it's interesting because both teams they have such a huge tradition and and you know uh, all all those elements, you know, like the golden helmets, uh, all the buildings, you know, surrounding the stadium make makes it so uh, special. So yeah, I'm I'm completely transported every time that I'm at Notre Dame Stadium, uh, thinking about the the, the Pumas uh, uh, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That is the voice of Omar Urania Jimenez, the founder of Chicago Tichito Academy. And uh, Omar, the final question I have for you is: uh, It was described the academy as a dream realized. Um, when did you first have this dream of this academy and, and wanting to start it? Well, I really had this dream a long time ago, probably back in the 2004. And definitely, um, uh, definitely to me, I think one big inspiration is uh, the violence that Chicago sees every day and how many kids and teenagers are involved, you know, in, 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 in this uh, violent issue. So, for me, I think that was like the like the biggest inspiration, which you know, led me you know like to to work on different projects. So, uh, because two years after I was I was uh, organizing a semi-pro football team in Mexico City. Actually, we were the like non-official representative team of the University of Mexico. Um, but yeah, it, it was like around 2004 when I when I first dreamed about you know creating a football pro program for 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 kids it's an awesome dream and i'm really excited to start yeah, you know seeing you build it up and, and become hopefully it becomes this very uh, big academy in logan square i really appreciate your time omar 
Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you, uh, Sean. Um, I had a great time, and and, and, and thank you for uh, helping the Academy uh, to put the voice out there. Thank you so much for that opportunity. That was Omar Urena Jimenez, the founder of Chicago Tachito Academy. You can visit their website at chicagotachito.com. That is Chicago, T-O-C-H-I-T-O.com. This week, one of our past guests, Sarah Galvin, was recognized for her spectacular work in the south suburbs with her organization, Almost Home. This clip is courtesy of WGN-TV. WGN Shannon Halligan reveals the winner of Chicago's Remarkable Women 2021. After more than 100 applications, we narrowed it down to four finalists, all with truly inspirational stories, but there could only be one winner. And we're here today to announce the winner of Remarkable Women 2021, Sarah Galvin. Here at Score Values, we want to congratulate Sarah for her great accomplishment. In honor of this award, I will now play back part of my conversation with Sarah Galvin, the founder of Almost Home, and the board president of Almost Home, Mel Tillman. Here's Sarah on how she started Almost Home. So I'm going to try to make a super long story, (laughs) super short, but it goes all the way back to when I was about 17. I had a super vivid dream that I was going to grow to work with the local homeless population and that it, it was to be called Almost Home, right? But... At the time, I thought it was just a dream. It didn't mean anything, but there was something to it. And as the years went on, you know, that that dream, that thought, that idea always followed me. But um, I had my, my son right out of high school, and I had to get a second job, and I met my future husband right away. And so life got in the way of that dream, right? Um, so we went on to have my husband and I, we went on to have a couple more kids. And then when I was on maternity leave with my, with my fifth one, um, I was suddenly let go from the job that I was at for quite a few years. I was working with adults with disabilities and absolutely loved my job. And I had gone back to school and I was trying to move up in the ranks and, so the job loss was, you know, out of nowhere and it just devastated me. And then just a couple of weeks after that, my husband was laid off of his job from 10 years. Um, so we went pretty much from barely making ends meet to having zero income. Um, and so with five kids to take care of, that's a terrifying experience, right? So at that time, after my husband lost his job, then, you know, I was having a really hard time finding work, as was he. And so we were getting pretty desperate for money. And so we started garbage picking as a family. And every every night, you know, after dinner time, when people would typically put out their garbage, we would all climb into his his truck and we would go to all the the best towns who had the best garbage, right? And we would pick through their stuff and put it in the truck and come home and unload our treasures. And we did that night after night and I would clean things and my husband would fix things. And then on Sundays, we'd go together as a family and sell sell other people's garbage. And we would make enough to, you know, sometimes keep the lights on and sometimes feed our children. And I'm so grateful that... You know, we were able to do that, but it was it was very, very hard. And so we did that for close to a year. And then um, 
then things just got too too tough and too far behind. You know, once you fall behind, it's 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 so difficult to catch up. You know, and so we were going to be asked to leave our home, and we started to sell all of our belongings, our, our furniture, and my husband's tools and toys and clothes, and we pawned our our wedding rings and and everything. And one of the last days we were going to be there, then I went to go check the mail, and inside the mailbox was um there was a money order addressed to me, and there was enough on that money order not only to save our house, but to turn the lights back on and the gas back on and the water back on and to fill our cabinets with food and, you know, put gas in the car and everything. And I I don't know who did it to this day. I don't know who did it, but I was so unbelievably grateful and thankful that that happened. So... I promised my husband, I promised my children, I promised myself, I promised God that one day I was going to do whatever I I could to pay it forward to as many people as humanly possible. Yeah, that is a, a true miracle right there, Sarah. And I, I, we're, take, we're speaking to Sarah Galvin and Mel Tillman of Almost Home. And, and Sarah, you mentioned that the name stuck with you uh, a lot. What, it, what about yeah. the name has stuck with you? And then also, how did you go from getting that money order uh, to starting Almost Home? So it just when I had that dream, that was the name that was given to me, and I didn't feel like it was my place to question it at all. And it just absolutely seemed to fit, you know. But, you know, at this time, you know, Almost Home was still always on my mind, but still is just an idea. But after our home was saved and things were, you know, looking a little brighter again, I started a home improvement company for my husband, which has been successful since day one. He he no longer is without work. We no longer have to worry about money. He makes double, sometimes triple what he used to make. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And after I got him started, I started to work on me a little bit more. You know, I had reached what I would think is my lowest point, um, my rock bottom point. And, and when I got down there, I've always had a, a strong faith um, but when I, when I reached that rock bottom, there was no place for me to look but up. And that's when I really started to develop a, a relationship with God. And, you know, I, I started going to church. I got baptized. I had joined a Christian women's book club and I was really, really concentrating on me. And then it was March, March 14th of 2015, and I was at the intersection of 87th and Cicero, and I was stuck at the red light there. And I happened to glance around, and I noticed that not one, not two, not three, but four, four grown men were standing on every corner there with their cardboard signs. And my heart felt so full of compassion for these men. And I clearly, clear as day, heard the Holy Spirit whisper into my right ear. He said, almost home. It's time to begin our work. So I, I went home and I, I Googled how to start a nonprofit organization and I got started on that the very next day. That was Sarah Galvin and Mel Tillman from Almost Home. You can visit their website at almosthomechicago.org.
If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future edition of our show, or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Sean Anderson, and thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.